Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. So since we last recorded... Yes. The bill has been passed. Yeah. Congratulations, Victoria. (laughs) Yes. So, um... And we're talking about Victoria, Australia. Yes. Some random called Victoria. (laughs) Apologies to anyone who's actually called Victoria. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) We do. Um, But yes, well done to the state of Victoria. Um, I think that it is a... Um, well, my understanding is that it's uh, really a world first um, mm-hmm. in the way that the bill has been written and what it applies to and just how extensively it applies. Yeah. I believe it's a world first and a huge step forward for um, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah. I know New Zealand uh, is apparently looking at the bill and mm-hmm. wanting to see how they might be able to um, I guess adjust it and and re uh, and work with it to um, have that applied in New Zealand. Um, so that's exciting to hear, um, and we'll we'll see what else happens. But. Yeah, there are two other states here in Australia. Well, one state in Australia, Queensland, and um, the Australian Capital Territory, that's already passed um, conversion therapy bills or laws. Mm. I do know that states in America, some states in America. I believe California has a similar similar mm. one as well. Um, so there are definitely other bills out there, but one way in which this one is a bit different is that it bans conversion therapy and conduct. So mm. conversion therapy practices, and it also um, bans conversion therapy or suppression practices with or without the person's consent. Mm. Um and I guess this is where it sort of uh, <laughs> unnerved a few people because even if someone is willing to go through um, conversion therapy, this law still bans that. Mm. Um, it also bans any um, conduct um, that might be harmful um, and might be considered um, as trying to change or suppress mm. someone's sexuality and i think that's another key difference here is i believe it is conversion and suppression practices Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the other things that have passed around the world already are just about conversion therapy Um, whereas this expands it into including suppression practices as well Mm. so no longer is it just about those practices that are trying to convert people and change them from change their sexuality. Um, But it's now including those practices that are forcing people to suppress their sexuality or their gender identity. Um, Something else that this law um, sort of identifies is when, you know, it it doesn't necessarily dictate what a certain religion or faith community might believe. Um, but it does place limits on how they, I guess, um, practice that. And mm. what I mean by that is that if I believe that someone's sexual orientation is wrong based on my faith, um, I can pray for them. However, I can't necessarily pray over them. Mm. 
um, or pray for them to change yeah. or be suppressed. Yeah. And and I will say um, just <laughs> as well, um, in order for someone to actually be charged under this law, you have to prove that um, whatever actions have taken place have caused serious injury. Mm. Um, so there is a level <laughs> that you have to sort of meet. There's a bar that you have to meet yeah. um, in order to get someone charged under the law. And it's interesting um, since our last recording um, there was an article that was released um, and I guess a, a statement that was published um, by the church. Um, so not at the Victorian conference level, um, because we did talk about the fact that the Victorian conference had actually signed this letter speaking against the bill. Um, but at a higher level, at the division level, um, they actually published a statement from the church. And it was, um, I guess that was kind of, encouraging we had um we had talked about in our last episode that we believed that the church needed to um i guess sort of explore some of these things Mm. and address some of these things and it was encouraging to actually see that the church had actually put a statement out that was their statement not just them signing on to something that was written by a group of people from multiple religious organizations Mm. Um, but this is this was actually a statement made by someone from the division. And and I want to clarify, when we're talking about the conference and the division, <laughs> so Dan and I are Seventh-day Adventists. Um, and so when it comes to this particular topic and this particular bill, I guess we feel more comfortable speaking about the Adventist reaction to the bill, just because we know a bit more about what's happening mm. within our denomination. Um, and so, yeah, like Dan said, uh, the... Uh, Seventh-day Adventist South Pacific Division was the one that put out a statement um, about this law and about its concerns. I found their statement very interesting. I've always said that the, personally for me, and this is my view and opinion, um, that the Adventist church is one step away from being the most progressive church in the world. I know it's crazy because you might be thinking, hold on, my Adventist neighbor or my Adventist aunt or my Adventist cousin <laughs> is so conservative. What are you on about? Um, and I guess it could also depend where, where in the world you live. Mm. Um, I've been fortunate to be surrounded um, by more progressive and liberal Adventists. Mm. Um But this statement, which is interesting, this statement from the South Pacific Division, which includes Australia and New Zealand, um, of Seventh-day Adventists, um, would would actually read as something very liberal, I would say, or very progressive. Um, They basically start off um, by recognizing that the topic of human sexuality um, has been considered taboo in a lot of our schools and universities um, and homes, you know, over decades. Um, But that has started to change, um, which is something I appreciate. Um, Something else that they acknowledge is that Australia, like many other Western nations, have adopted a progressive approach to LGBTQ plus related matters And they also uh, are acknowledging that this resulted in the 2017 legislation for same-sex marriage here in Australia. The church in this statement says that they've always tried to integrate 
how we know the world and human life for scripture and what we know about the world and human life from the world of science. So it's basically mm. saying we've always tried to take this balanced approach and take on what the scripture says and balance it with what science says. Mm. Um, and as you know, the Adventist church is, I think, second only to the Catholic church um, in terms of the largest medical um, system of hospitals mm. in the world. Mm. Um and here in Australia, we've got the Sen, which is a very well-known and highly respected um, hospital um, here in Australia, here in New South Wales. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that they started off by acknowledging that they've always tried to balance what they read in the scripture with science and science yeah. with scripture. Um, another thing that they mention in their statement is that they believe that uh, scriptures are central to our understanding of uh, spiritual growth, but the church does recognize that the Bible says very little about child development. And again, the Adventist church has a very large network of schools. And mm. so in the statement, they recognize that the Bible doesn't actually have much to say about childhood development. And so they rely on social sciences um, to help inform um, the curriculum and how they um, basically run the schools mm. that we have all over the mm. world. Um, again, something that I appreciate. Now, the next thing that they also mention is how scriptures underscore the sanctity of human life. And this is interesting because they literally say in this statement, and I'm again quoting from this, that the scriptures are silent regarding modern technologies that create some of the most significant ethical questions, such as termination of high-risk pregnancies, assisted reproductive technologies such as IVS, uh, IVF, and end-of-life decision-making, which are all, you could say, hot topics. Mm. You know, you, they've literally just gone through abortion, um, IVF, and also um, euthanasia, mm. which are all other you know topics that are really current at the moment. And it's interesting that this church, which you know prides itself on being uh, very Bible based, is saying actually the Bible is silent on mm. these other things. Yeah. Um, so again, so far I am appreciating everything that's on this statement. Um, now they've come to the area of homosexuality um, and transgenderism um, as per their statement. And I like that they have openly um, acknowledged that the church has struggled, and these are their words, the church has struggled to adopt an integrative approach in its attempt to remain faithful to a biblical sexual ethic um, and I find that that's interesting that they would acknowledge that they have struggled mm. in this area. Yeah. Again, and like our first episode this season, the church isn't where we want it to be. But when we see things like this, these are signs that the church is moving mm. to that place. Yeah. Not as quickly as we want it to, but I can mm. see movement i would have never expected the church to come out with a statement like this and specifically mm. with the 
the that wording yeah. able to it's able to acknowledge that it has some shortcomings and it has room for improvement and mm. and things that it needs to work on it's yeah yeah um now if you might be wondering what the church's official position is in regards to sexuality the church does not believe that you can change your orientation officially the church does not believe that you can change your orientation however they do advocate for um suppression mm. of acts that might be related mm. to a certain yeah it promotes uh, lifelong celibacy basically yeah. yeah um and so moving on in this uh, statement um they also acknowledge the harmful effects and it's interesting again i'm very i think i'm just very thankful at how honest the church is being because later in the statement they say and i'm reading again that social science research has revealed that conversion therapy practices of both medical and faith communities are not only unsuccessful in reducing same-sex attraction or increasing other sex attraction but they have a wide range of potentially harmful side effects particularly for LGBTQ youth including loss of faith as well as significantly higher levels of depression and suicide wow 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 Wow, the church literally comes out in a statement and says that conversion therapy is wrong. It's mm. not good. It causes all of these things. Mm. Again, like I said before, I always feel like the church is just one step away from being the most progressive um Christian church. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of those things that tells me that the church is moving in that direction. Yeah. um they also reference exodus international so the church again in this statement talks about exodus international um that had promoted conversion practices and then renounced conversion therapy stating that it was not effective in changing same sex attraction and apologized for the harm that they inflicted on participants and closed their organization mm. so again the the church is doubling down on the statement that conversion therapy does not work and that it is harmful they also quote a um, research report from 2018 uh, that was initiated by the um, Latrobe University and the Human Rights Law Center and the Gay and Lesbian Health uh, Center in Victoria where they again state that conversion therapy continues to be practiced in some religious communities causing real harm to vulnerable individuals. After all of this, the 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 next statement that they make is that the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia does not support conversion therapy and related practices due to evidence that not only are they not effective in changing sexual orientation, but that they can cause harm to vulnerable individuals. Wow. Mm, Again, a powerful statement. It it's a powerful statement and I, and I think we should pause here and mm. actually acknowledge that the church has actually said this. Yeah. A lot of what we were saying last week was very much based sorry, on last week's episode was very much based on um 
the Victorian conferences and a few other churches' reaction to the bill when it happened. Mm. And so that's why I think, um, like Daniel had said earlier, we're very appreciative that the division has come out and made this statement. Yeah. Now, the in the same statement, though, while saying that they don't support conversion therapy, they do say that they have issues with some of the ambiguous language used in um, in the bill. They also uh, are uncomfortable with the fact that the law also prohibits um, conversion therapy for those individuals who willingly choose to go through mm, with it. Mm. Um, and they are saying this uh, based on their statement from the point of view that they believe um, that every human should have free will to mm. decide. Mm. Um, I agree that every human should have free will to decide, but I think this is one of those places where we have to be responsible in mm. how that actually plays out, mm. not only with the person, but with the wider community. And I think that's an, that is an, an, a very interesting argument. I think at face value, it is a, a good argument. From, from my perspective at face value, I, I do believe that free will is really important and that that, that is a huge part of, of what I believe about God, that God created us with free will so that we could choose. Um, and, and I think that's, that's essential to life. And I think that free will is essential to love and, and, and freedom. Um, having said that, I think... Maybe one thing that the the church is is missing here is that there are a lot of laws that restrict free will, and they those laws are in place to protect the community, to protect people who are under the um, I guess under the jurisdiction of the state. Um, so, for example, there are speed limits. There are speed limits in place so that there is a little more, I guess, control on the roads and that the roads are a safer place to drive. Now, you could argue that having speed limits restrict people's free will because they can't choose to drive whatever speed they want. They are required to stick within the limits placed on them by those laws. Uh, in the same way, Murder is illegal. You cannot murder someone. That is restricting someone's free will to choose to murder someone if that is what they want to do. There are certain drugs that are illegal to use. Again, you're restricting someone's free will to use those drugs because there's a law in place that prohibits them. All of these things, these laws are in place to protect people. Mm. These laws are in, in place to provide safety and some element of, of boundaries so that everyone in the community can live um, longer, can live healthier, can have, um, I guess, can have an element of protection provided for them by the state. Mm. Now, I think what the, the church is, is missing in this context is that once again, what the state is doing here in Victoria is saying that they believe there is something out there that has been allowed to go on for years, for decades now, and it has been causing harm, and it has been hurting people, and in many cases has been hurting them to the point of suicide. Mm. And so they've decided that that is now worthy of having a law 
put in place to prohibit that practice, whether or not the person chooses to go ahead with it, because they're acknowledging that it doesn't matter if you're an adult or not, this practice is harmful and the state has a, a duty of care to its citizens to look after them. And that is why they have many other laws in place that seemingly, you could argue, restrict free will. But they're not actually restricting free will. They are putting restrictions in place to ensure that everyone is kept safe. And that those things that do cause harm and have been proven to cause harm and hurt people, those things are... I guess, off limits. They're out of bounds. Um, And so I think that that's something that at, at face value, yes, maybe you could argue that free will is being restricted here. But if you really look at it, all of our laws of the land restrict our free will. Hmm. And, and if some people have said, you know, they don't have a problem with banning conversion therapy, the problem they have is with that particular point that it also bans um, a person from honoring their faith well, in their in their thoughts to honor their faith and um, you know choose to go through with um, conversion therapy or some sort of practice related to that. Um, but exactly like you were saying, it this law is designed to protect not only that person but the whole community. When we say that yes, conversion therapy is wrong and that's why we ban it but we leave the door open for people to choose to go ahead with it, you know, giving them that free choice to do that. What we're also doing is we're still leaving that door open for the same prejudiced ideas or prejudiced ideologies um, to grow. And Mm. those ideas are that, you know, gay people are broken, LGBTQ plus people are broken people, there's something wrong with them, they have some sort of uh, mental illness. If we leave that door open, we continue to allow these ideologies to grow and spread. Ideologies that are wrong, scientifically wrong. Even the Adventist church has come out and said that it is wrong. Um... But that's the thing. We have to close that door. Mm. If we keep that door open, even for people who choose to do it, we continue to promote the idea that gay people are wrong. Uh, Sorry, gay people are broken. Gay people um, have all of these issues. We continue to leave open uh, the door to um, LGBTQ plus people in the church, um, feeling the pressure that they have to conform instead of focusing on Jesus. Um, it leads leaves the door open for uh, people to bully LGBTQ plus people, hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people. Um, you know, the list goes on. Mm. And to your point, Daniel, th- that's why the law prohibits um, conversion therapy practices or suppression practices for both people who um, choose or people who don't choose Mm. uh, to go through with it. So that's why I agree with um, this law. Mm -hmm. Um, I love what the church has put out. I appreciate they have come out and said, no, it's uh, conversion therapy does not work. Um, But I would have liked, and while I do applaud them for doing them, for doing that, I would have liked if they would only look a bit further Mm and see what the consequences of 
leaving open that door, yeah. uh, what the consequences are for the wider community. And we were talking about it earlier this morning about, you know, where the focus is for us mm. as Christians and as a church and how often where our focus lies, it often dictates how we treat people, how mm. we treat the Bible, how we treat our faith even. Um, and we're talking about Jesus and how he was, you know, born in Bethlehem. And the three wise men from the East, they were not Jewish, so they were not part of uh, the Jewish nation. They somehow, we're not told how, but they somehow uh, hear about this prophecy about Jesus and they follow a star that leads them um, into Israel and they apparently can't get any answers from mm. the religious leaders because they don't, you know, they don't really go there for um, their information, uh, according to the Bible. Um, and they don't really get a lot out of Herod either, mm. who's the political leader at that stage. Um, but God, through the star, guides them to Jesus. And I think it's interesting that in the in that scenario, neither the church, the established church, nor the state gave, you know, any helpful information to the three wise men. It was actually the star mm. and their own study that led them to Jesus. Now, once they had met Jesus, the Bible says that they went a different way. But it's interesting just looking at that story and looking at what's happening in the world today, especially with a lot of our church's reactions to this bill, I found it interesting that while the church acknowledges that conversion therapy is wrong, for some reason it can't see any further and mm. see the wide-ranging ramifications of such a law that would have, you know, that door open that people who want to go through with it can choose to do it. Mm. Um and I think it's just because of where our focus is. Yeah. The nation of Israel at that stage was focused on themselves and their position as God's chosen people. Yeah. I think as a church, and I'm speaking as a Christian here, not as not just as an Adventist, as Christians, we tend to think that we are the saved. Mm. We are the chosen. And that might be the case, maybe. But that doesn't mean that we forget what our responsibility is yeah. as the saved or as the chosen people of God. Our responsibility is not to ourselves. Our responsibility is to the most vulnerable people in society. Mm. It's It has always been about everyone else, about the vulnerable. Jesus came for the vulnerable. And I think if we use that as our focus, as our lens, I think the statement we saw from the church, while good, would have been a lot better. Mm. Um, I hope that these sorts of laws continue to spring up around the world. But what I hope more than that is that these laws are actually pushed and promoted by the people of God. Because I hope that the people of God start to see that it is their responsibility to look after the vulnerable and the hurting. Look after the people who need the support of society um, and I just hope that from here, the the church, the Christian church at large, can start to realize that maybe God has actually been working through these Gentiles, 
these outsiders in the state to push through these laws of protection because the church wasn't listening and the church wasn't um, fulfilling its responsibility of caring for these vulnerable people. I hope the church can start to see that and realize that and to start to get on board and fight for these rules to be put in place to protect the hurting and the vulnerable so that everyone can enjoy the freedoms that they deserve because everyone deserves to have an abundant free life in Christ regardless of who they are, what their belief system is. Jesus came to save the whole world and everybody who's in it. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye.